to the Up of Truth, where we talk about our favorite shows episode by episode, diving deep into underlying themes, plot holes, and the amount of eyeliner used while genuinely loving the show and its creators. I'm Vero. And I'm Lena. And today we're covering Lucifer, season one, episode one, the pilot. And what a pilot it is. Does it ever bother you that the first episode don't get a name? I don't mind. It's always the pilot or pilots. Well, it depends. Like in Dollhouse, the first episode is called Ghost, at least the first one that was aired. Did you know the pilot was originally aired and had a different actor for Detective Dan? What? And then they reshot the pilot. How dare they? Kevin is perfect. They originally had Nicholas Gonzalez. Who is that? To play Detective Dan. And when you go to his IMDb page, he has been on everything. I couldn't find any reason that was given why he didn't stay on. But then they recast Kevin as yeah. Detective Dan. Interesting. And the official air date is the one with the pilot that we know. But apparently it was shown at some convention before, like the original pilot with the other actor. So that is interesting that Kevin was not the first choice for Detective Dan. But he was the better choice. I have another very fun thing that connects to our wonderful episode summaries, which are horrible as hell as usual, <laughs> except the German version. The German version is actually quite good. But the most hilarious thing was when I read the Amazon UK summary for the pilot, which reads, When the murder of a friend connects him with an LAPD detective Chloe Dancer, <laughs> Lucifer, Tom Ellis, becomes intrigued with the idea of punishing criminals in the series premiere. And I was like, Chloe Dancer? Are you kidding me? Well, originally... Chloe's no. character was named Chloe Dancer and not Chloe Decker. Oh my god. But when they reshot the pilot with Kevin as Detective Dan, they also changed her name. Good. But the description, it's still displayed as Chloe Dancer. That's so weird. So I found that absolutely hilarious. The UK description, in my opinion, is kind of misleading because Lucifer has apparently always been intrigued with the idea of punishing. I do sometimes wonder, who are the people who write these things? Well, whoever was the one for the German one, in my opinion, was much better because he simply ignores the plot of the episode <laughs> and only gives us the situation that sets up the entire show, which is Lucifer tells the story of a fallen angel. Bored and unhappy with his position as Lord of Hell, Lucifer Morningstar leaves his throne and returns to the city of angels where he owns a classy piano bar. And that's it. Classy piano bar. Okay. Yes, and I love it because it doesn't spoiler anything, but it gives us all the background information needed for the titular character. I mean, you don't really need anything else for a pilot, right? Yeah. Let's get into it! I tried to name my scenes this time Aww. because I was like, ha, let's see if I can find fun descriptions and scene names. <laughs> so my first scene is, it's fun to break the rules, but family is annoying. Ooh. Yeah, because Amenadiel and Maze are both his family, kind of. Description is very simple. Introduction of Lucifer with, with a first show of his powers over a cop and his return to his very own club, Lux, where the first confrontation A between him and Maze and B between him and Amenadiel happens. 
Okay, I just I'm gonna put it out there. I am calling Amenadiel Ames in my notes because it's oh I, very good. I don't know how to spell his fucking name, and I hate his full name. <laughs> Google Doc knows because I mistyped it every single time, and Google Doc told me how to spell it correctly every single time. So we we'll start off with a song which is called "Ain't No Rest for the Wicked." Obvious music choice is very obvious. <laughs> yeah. As much as it's an obvious music choice, I have to say it's way more fitting than I kind of want to give it credit to. <laughs> What I also really like is we get a title, like location title card. Yeah. And it also adds the Anno Domini 2016 AD, which <laughs> is very, very nicely put because Lucifer could have been. 2016 before AD, right? True. BC probably then the before AD. <laughs> And I'm also a huge, huge stickler for when the apparent background music then fades into being the music from the car. And when he turns off the music mm. in the car, it shuts off completely. I love that. That's so good. It's super cheesy. Yeah, it gets you into the mood. Yes. And also one thing that's starting here already and for me is one of the best things about the entire show is Lucifer's absolutely unapologetic honesty nonstop. Yeah. What I find interesting is when he talks to the cop and the cop is very surprised that he blurts out stuff that he usually doesn't. Lucifer says people like to tell me things. I find it in this episode very inconsistent when he has to just be there for people to talk about yeah. what they usually don't and when he has to go and ask the specific question what is your deepest desire. In this episode it definitely feels like he doesn't need to say it. That he just needs to make eye contact with them and they're fucked yeah we'll see we're, we're just gonna keep our eyes open yeah I just found it very interesting because here he doesn't even have to do anything and later he already has to be very very specific about phrasing his question the vanity plate is very very obvious with the fallen one and then we get our wonderful golden title card two minutes and 36 seconds in we then transition in a very very nice transition over into Lux he just drives there mm -hmm. and goes to the bar where he starts talking with Mace who's just receiving oral sex from one of the barmen <laughs> and for an American TV show I am blown away with the very refreshing sex positivity displayed by both Mace and Lucifer yeah Mace is the best that made me very happy go Mace yes Mace perfect just perfection she is an incredible character yeah the character is amazing the actress is great and I love everything about her so yay Mace What I'm not loving mm -hmm. is M's power. I mean, seriously, slowing down time. You're not capable of stopping time. You're just capable of making everyone move real slow. Well, I feel like that type of power it means that he is not noticed by the outer world and that's kind of the point of it it doesn't need to stop the time he can merely just slow it down and nobody can see him anyway i don't know if he's invisible no not invisible but like he is to a human eye at that moment he moves really really quickly so he nobody will notice him yeah so he's the flash yeah <laughs> aims the flash i got nothing more on this scene <laughs> And I have a last thing to close off this beautiful scene. And it's in all caps, and the corruption of Ames begins. Dum, dum, dum. There we go. I was waiting for that. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> 
uh, with this, we go to scene two, at least for me, because now Lucifer is outside of Lux and I decided that's a good yeah. point to say it's a new scene. I called this Kind Devil, Dead Musician. And my scene description is Lucifer reunites with a previous favor who gets killed after getting a come to Lucifer talk by him about her own capabilities and her need to focus on herself. Aww, how cute. Right. Right. The transition into the scene is very, very nicely done mm-hmm. with him being outside playing with the coin. It's a pretty coin. And I obviously did a freeze frame to read both sides of the coin. <laughs> obviously. Obviously, the you do know me. The one side that we see first in a proper freeze frame is in God we trust. And we got the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Ghost around a male-oriented triangle. So it's flat on top and pointy in the bottom. And in the middle of the male triangle we have the crucified jesus on the cross oh okay yeah. and on the other side we have on the top in god we're damned with the five names belzebub serpent dragon lucifer and satan around a downwards tipped five star with a goat head inside <laughs> and both sides have on the bottom the word morning star written so the only thing on both sides is the word god and morning star which i found interesting So uh, Delilah shows up in a car and we clearly have an insight to that she's famous because there are some teenagers with phones who starts shouting stuff at her. I love you, Delilah. Yay. They have a conversation and you can see straight away that they know each other. Yes. Very, very familiar with each other. Maybe a little too familiar? Probably. No. They didn't strike me as having had relations. (laughs) Relations. Also, seriously, looking at the taste in man that Delilah proves to have had over the course of this episode. But, you know, like, you can you can see that every single woman that Lucy walks by looks around or gives him a second look. So, you know, it wouldn't be surprising, as in, uh, I'm not saying relationship, saying more of a... Relations is a nice way to say they didn't fuck. Relations doesn't mean they had a relationship. Well, I know. What I mean is that... I wouldn't find it surprising if they did. Because, you know, Lucy just operates this way. He doesn't fuck everyone he gives a favor to. No, 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 no. I'm not saying that. But, like, she worked for him. And he... She didn't work for him. She did. He introduced her to a producer. He says that in the episode that she used to work in Lux. Really? I missed that. Yeah. How did I miss that? I don't know. <laughs> he does mention that she worked in Lux afterwards when he... when he ta- uh... where he I think it's when he talks to Chloe. Okay, sorry. Still, they didn't strike me as having had sex in fact he seemed to be kind of fatherly yeah towards her like he kisses her forehead in a very sweet gesture he definitely has a soft spot for her everything how he interacts with her is very very sweet and protective yeah it's really nice there's nothing carnal yeah about it there's no sexual tension anywhere in between them it's interesting to see lucifer in this light it's something that you would not expect it's also the first mention that lucifer has zero interest in human souls yeah and i really liked how they set it up with like did i sell my soul to the devil and he just goes like as if i need a soul it's like yeah who cares about souls yeah and he's super sweet with her and basically just Mm. asking as a 
a favor of her that she gets her shit together. So I really, really like it. Yeah, it's lovely. It's uh, It shows us a side of Lucifer that we would not expect in a million years. As in the way Lucifer is kind of engraved in our minds in the general pop culture or in a historic type of sense. You don't think of him as a positive character or somebody who would care. Depends on the subculture you belong to. <laughs> yeah, that was just what I, what I was going to say. But in general, in our Christian world where we grow up or where we live, in general, he is not depicted as the as the nice, kind guy who will help you out. He's the tempter. Yes. He can appear sweet and nice, but he will lead you down to damnation. Which, sad to say, he is sweet and nice to her and then she gets shot. Yeah, but that's not his fault. But he literally leads her down the street. Well, if you want to be literal. Yeah. Which brings me to my other note. What the fuck happened between the cut scene when they are in the club and when they're walking down the street? Because her makeup looks rough. She probably cried. So he asks her to pull herself together and then she cries her eyes out and they go for a stroll. About all the bad things that are happening in her life right now and how she needs to pull herself together. And then he brings her back to her car. But I found it very, very interesting that literally he seems to be nice and caring and everything and then he leads her down inadvertently to her own doom and damnation. So Which... <sighs> It's a nice picture. It's interesting when you look at it in a literal way, yeah. Mm. What I find very interesting is that in this part of the episode, when he gets shot, mm -hmm. he seems to wake up. Yeah, he seems to have died, yeah. And then come back. And at the end of the episode, when he gets shot um, while protecting Chloe... He just goes on, yeah. But yes, he gets hit by bullets and he doesn't care. So in the same episode... Different behavior for the same kind of treatment? Well, tell you what, I would put it on the list right now if I were you, because this is gonna be something that we want to focus on. <laughs> My last question for this before uh, Chloe arrives is where the fuck is the driver of the shooter? The shooter is in the back seat. Yeah, he did. No, there, there's no one in the front seat. They ran off. I freeze framed through the entire scene <laughs> twice. <laughs> and I did not see a single person in the car except the shooter. Is the front window broken? The whole car looks like shit. But the front is not like smooshed together so much that someone would have been... Well, someone could have flown out through the window. Either the driver ran away or I don't know. And if the driver got to run away, how long was Lucifer unconscious? Dude could have run away or the woman for what we know. So I was very confused by that. Like, where the fuck is the fucking driver? He must have been out for a little bit, though, because I'd say at least 15, 20 seconds he must have been out. Right? So that's all I got for this scene. Yes. Until scene three, the police arrive. Yep. And my first note says, fuck Dan. Well... I got introduction of Detective Chloe and Detective Dan, as well as a first showing of their issues with each other. We have another very, very soft transition, mm -hmm. mostly with the high camera angle mm -hmm. of the same situation right after the shooting. And I really have to say, both are behaving like fucking teenagers. 
Chloe is super defensive towards Dan. Like, he shows up and before he can state his case, why he's there, she goes, but the lieutenant said this was my case. Yeah, no, 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 and no. it's just like, girl, yo, chill. Yeah, because why? do you know why she said that? Because he comes up to her and says, do you want to know what I have to say about this? Because I've been here before you, bitch. That's not what he says. No, maybe not in these words, but that's how I read it. He comes with information because she only just arrived. Nobody at the scene, so sharing him. information. He wasn't even supposed to be sharing there. Sharing information is normal in police. This is a her case. It makes no sense to be all uptight, like, no, I gotta find my information on my own. You cannot tell me what you know because this is my case. It's like, dude, please, gather all information. See, I am completely against you on this because... He wasn't supposed to be there. He shouldn't have been there. He has his own cases. He goes out of his way to help her out because he doesn't believe that she can do her job. That's how this rings to me. Like, the first sentence he says to her is beyond reproach. Then she's super bitchy and there's no way to call it towards him. And then he gets super patronizing. But I see Chloe as very, very annoying as well with the... The lieutenant said it's my case. Yeah, and it is your case. Calm your tits. Yeah, it is. But then clearly just goes on and on about telling her how to treat that case. Which is not okay. Yeah, which I call extremely patronizing. But still, both of them are idiots. But he doesn't just do it here. He does it through the rest of the episode. He keeps telling her how to do her job. The introduction of both characters is highly unsympathetic. Both behave like fucking teenagers. I'm on Chloe's side here. You're very biased. He's a... Ah, never mind. We're not gonna agree on this. We know both of them less than a minute. Yeah. In this moment. And I already hate Dan. You you go do that. Yeah. (laughs) We also get a first mention of Palmetto Street. Yes, we do. With no further explanation as to what it refers to. Exactly. It's simply just a random name drop. Especially after Palmetto Street. And also, neither of the great competent detectives asks where the fucking driver is. (laughs) Yeah. So, fail on them. The only person who asks that question is this podcast. (laughs) Go, Lina. So, shame on both of them. Yeah. Who also fails is Lucifer in the next scene when he tries to flirt at the piano, which is what I call the next scene. (laughs) Yeah. While Chloe interrogates him, which is my description. (laughs) It's hilarious. I love that scene a lot with him just sitting there with the piano, fondling the keys, drinking. Mm -hmm. We also get the first mention that Lucifer seems to remember Chloe but can't place her. (laughs) <laughs> yeah <laughs> I love that he goes like are you sure like, did we have sex I'm sure I've seen you naked I love it usually when he remembers people they were most likely naked yeah also he's not wrong which he realizes later on but yeah. <laughs> of course his mind goes to they have to have sex for him to have seen her naked yeah if he remembers her naked they must have exactly so I like that what I find very interesting is that Delilah and Chloe look very similar mm-hmm. they have a very similar type yeah I didn't think of that that's true so maybe that plays into the intrigue he has towards chloe i mean of course there's a he can't place her b she's immune to his powers and his charms Mm. but she also seems to be his type let's call it that Hmm. delilah obviously pulled out the protectiveness in him Hmm. and especially now with the episode of him wanting to punish the person who Hmm. killed her or who was responsible for killing so i find it very interesting yeah i didn't think of that it's a good Another question, since not a native speaker, when she says, and where are you from, planet London? American. 
is the devil supposed to be British? Like, is he supposed to be speaking in a British accent or something? He is speaking, yeah. Why? Because that's his accent. Yeah, but why did they make the devil British? Because they hired Tom Ellis. As if Tom Ellis couldn't speak in a different accent. He could, but like, why? So the whole thing with English accent is it's more sophisticated. It feels more posh, if you know what I mean. <laughs> Which I love this word. So they made the devil British to make him upper class. Yes, that is my understanding of that. The devil is British because he has to be the utmost of class. Mm -hmm. I like that. Total, totally taking this and accepting this as utter truth. Uh -huh. We get another pointy comment by Lucifer about the corrupt little organization. So True. obviously Lucifer has an issue with law enforcement. Clearly. I wonder if that is going to be elaborated on. I mean, on one hand, duh, it's an yeah. obvious thing. There is corruption pretty much everywhere. And of course, also very much in the police and law system. But with the street cop before and now again, we get this dig against mm. law enforcement. So I find it very interesting, especially with Amenadiel basically being yeah. the law trying to bring Lucifer back. Yeah. What I love about this conversation is how Lucifer just you can see how he doesn't give a fuck about telling everybody who he is and he is straightforward giving it to Chloe he says straight away I'm Lucifer Morningstar it's a god-given name the last thing I have in this scene is that Lucifer's nearly desperate need to punish wrong deeds um, is made very clear. Yeah. It doesn't really show, but when Chloe is about to leave, he stands up and it looks like he reaches for her to stop her, like physically keep her from leaving, mm. which is very un-Lucifer, like behavior-wise for me. So I found it very, very interesting that his need to get this sorted, to fix this, is very apparent. And he keeps on investigating on his own right after because she obviously is not interested in letting him help. So I really like his deep going need to punish the responsible person. And I really like how it's set up here. Yeah, because he cared about Delilah. And he cares about punishing someone who did wrong. Yeah. Which is one of his key characteristics. Yeah. I like that this is made so clear. Yeah. And his face is very, very... Mm -hmm. I love, I love uh, Tom Ellis' acting. It's so good. He is very, very exact and precise. Which is very enjoyable. The next scene is the wedding crusher scene. Mm-hmm. I have no notes except one question. Uh-huh. Is there a reason, beside obvious plot reasons, that the tiny, slimy, disgusting dirtbag is able to withstand Lucifer's powers? I think that he has been under the Lucifer spell before. So sometimes it's a little bit easier to resist stuff like that. I think, yeah, it's mainly plot-wise, I'd say. Because for me, it makes zero sense. Because Lucifer very much corners him. Yeah, I don't think that Lucifer puts too much into it you know like i don't feel like his heart's in it if you know what i mean his heart is very much in it he, he's desperate to find the responsible person yeah but what i mean is that he's not he doesn't need to use his powers because the dirtbag slimy person the woman next to him starts spilling her beans without lucifer paying much attention to her anyway no he looks at yeah, her. he looks at her he looks her in the eye first which i 
have noticed that that his powers are very much connected to eye contact in this episode. Okay, but then if his powers are based on eye contact on the first episode, then you just gave me my answer because the slimy dirt pack refuses to look him in the eye. Oh yeah, there we go. Okay, then it makes sense. If we say, okay, there has to be eye contact. Oh, does that mean a blind person is immune to Lucifer? Maybe. <laughs> Interesting question. I like that. Possibly. But no, if you go through this episode and every time he uses his powers, he needs to detain eye contact with the person. Uh, yeah, I think you're right. Okay, I'm gonna shelve this as answered. Good. <laughs> Few. But that's all I have in this scene. I just found it very entertaining. It was fun. Very prettily shot. And the whole thing is just... Mm. Ah, I love that he makes her talk at the end. That he makes her say the things. <laughs> because the fucker deserves it. The question is, does he make her talk? But yeah, I, I like that basically they, they're having a Christian wedding with a priest there. <laughs> and... Mary in front of God and all these witnesses and Lucifer breaks up the stupid Christian tradition and so I'm there for it. Yeah. Go Lucifer. Yay. <laughs> scene six. I have notes. I called this scene bad rapper with a romantic heart. Oh, cute. Yeah. See description. Lucifer visits and insults to vile. Chloe catches up and tries taking Lucifer in while proving to be immune to his power. Ooh. Yeah. That's the moment where the devil's haircut as song title is playing and I was just like, really, did you guys simply take... Oh, was it the hip-hop thing? No, 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 not the hip-hop in the Two Vile residence. The music that's playing while he drives his car up to uh, his residence. Oh. You have an aerial shot of the streets mm -hmm. and his car driving to Two Vile's house. Oh, yeah. And the song that's playing there is the devil's haircut. My note is like, seriously, are we just going to use all the songs that have devil in their name? Yes, they will. I have a question. Mm -hmm. Lucifer is all about honesty and being brutally honest and saying the truth and not lying and yada, yada, yada. He is lying to the doorman, to the butler. He says, I have narcotics. He doesn't. Or does he have narcotics on him? He probably does. But he didn't give them to him and he said, I have narcotics for him. So it was a lie, right? Well, yeah, technically, yeah. Thanks for bringing this up. So he can lie, but usually doesn't. That's the first time I hear him lie. So I'm gonna keep a Lucifer lies counter. Mm -hmm. And this just popped to one. I love that Lucifer is against the non-consensual violence. Tuval goes like, oh, she drove me crazy. Yeah, women can do that. That's no uh, excuse to like slap her around. So it's like, yay, go Lucifer. Yes. We get the reveal of the hot tub high school. <laughs> I like that Lucifer didn't remember, but that a random dude <laughs> of the hip hop guys is the one to point it out. Yes. While I understand. Stand that Chloe is very exasperated with getting called on having been in that mm. movie. She She's very abrasive, very angry, yeah. which is understandable, but still. How did Lucifer get out of the handcuffs? Oh, I have exactly the same question. He's not Houdini. In all cups. How does he get out of the fucking cuffs? If he had broken them, yes, I would have no problem because he's a fucking archangel. So yeah, super strength, probably. But he magics them open. The, <laughs> he magics them open. No, the only explanation I have for this is that he has been cuffed so many times that he knows... <laughs> <laughs> how to get out of them at this stage. 
This is the only thing I can think of as an explanation. Given his dislike of law enforcement, you might be onto something. And I don't mean I don't mean like police handcuffs. Oh, you mean sexy handcuffs? Yeah. But sexy handcuffs work differently than police handcuffs. Well, maybe he just uses the police handcuffs. I love that he has obviously seen the Star Wars movies. Yes. Because he makes a Jedi reference. Yes. Thank you. Also, the reference is wrong, but Jedi's don't read minds. Don't they? I'm a Trekkie, not a Star Wars person, so... No, they can sense your feelings and they can be suggestive to weaker minds to tell them what to think, but they don't know what you think. Fascinating. They can sense your emotion, as far as I know. I appreciate the reference, but it's 100% correct, I don't think. So he only watched the shitty movies, not the good ones? No, it's not It's not in either of the movies. Okay, I only watched the original three, so... I've watched all nine, slash eleven. I think I've read a couple of books when I was younger, but I haven't seen any of the TV series. But uh, as far as I know, Jedis don't know how to read minds. They don't actually read minds. We're now in scene seven, which I called, There's a special place in hell for bullies. Ooh. And my description is, Lucifer teaches the bully at Trixie's school a life lesson while we get much needed exposition. And we get a song there, which is, I don't know how it's called, but the lyrics go something in a sense, oh, that's me, a boy with a broken halo. Ooh. I didn't pay attention there. That's perfect. Which I really like. It's a good song. That's a really good song. So they're in the car. His information pans out. So he's very excited and smug, which is, I enjoy that. Oh, smug Lucifer is best Lucifer. <laughs> yeah. But they're actually doing some some like nice bonding in the car. It feels, he, he starts asking questions about Dan and we shed a little bit of light on the situation there. But he's actually trying to support her and make her, like help her out to feel stronger. Or I don't know how to say that. He just, it feels like he's, he's trying to help her out, which is nice because it just shows us, again, the, the kind side of Lucifer. I felt more like he stated simply obvious shitty behavior in human society. Yeah, but sometimes you need to hear it. Yeah, but it's his thing, like with the corrupt cop. So he also, in the same honest and direct way that he points out that cops have a corruption issue, he also points out that as a woman in a male-dominated field, with her backstory of having been in a naked movie, having been naked in a movie, she has a very difficult standing and has to work basically twice as hard to get taken half as serious. Yeah, but he didn't have to start a conversation with her at all. He finds it interesting because she's immune to him. What I'm saying is that it's nice to see the conversation and that they're that they're kind of exploring their relationship in the car. I wouldn't call what they have yet a relationship. Like so far, she's still annoyed by him and he's intrigued by okay. her. Okay, they they're exploring their meeting and conversation. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how else to describe it, but relationship. They're starting to connect, basically. They're working on connecting. I have two questions. Yes. A. How does Lucifer get out of the back of a police car? I'm pretty sure those doors lock, so you can only open them from the outside. My my answer to this question is, he's magic. So he magics his way out of the cop car. Okay. And my other question is, why does Lucifer despise children? Because they're annoying. 
<laughs> is there a reason? I don't think there's a real reason. I don't think so. I just think that he finds them super annoying. Because even the way he talks about them in the in the next scene when they're waiting in Linda's office, he just finds them repulsing that with their constant questions and ah, uh, just being ugh, children. I wonder. They're also inquisitive adults, so he would find then inquisitive humans annoying because there yeah. are also children who are not inquisitive. He seems to be very general in like children as a whole group of existing things are. Yeah. And is it because there's nothing he can play with? Is it because they're inherently innocent up to a certain age? I wouldn't give it that much deep meaning. Like, So I, I just wonder. I don't think there's like a deep reason for him not liking children. I feel like, yeah, he doesn't just, he just doesn't find a use for them because they are pretty much innocent at this stage and he can't really, you know, have fun. That's the thing. Like, I wonder because they make it very, very clear and it's repeated in this episode alone we have three scenes with his negative approach towards children yeah so it's really hammered home that he doesn't like children that's why i'm reading so much into it yeah like why fair enough because there's nothing in biblical lore that gives me a base on why the devil would hate children and speaking of children i know that you love trixie so don't tell me you don't like children you love trixie oh she's not a normal child Trixie is amazing and I love her. She is so funny and she's really cute and I yes. love the actress is very good. And considering she started out as a four-year-old or something like that, not on Lucifer, she was in Daddy's Home. Have you seen that? In what? Daddy's Home. No. It's a comedy with Mark Wahlberg and what's the other man's name? I have a very different association in my brain to that sentence. Well, yeah. I'm sorry. It's a film with Will Ferrell and Mark Wahlberg and it's extremely funny she plays one of the children and she is in this film like a four-year-old and she is fucking amazing she's on point she delivers all of her lines perfectly and then she goes on and starts to uh, work in a lucifer uh, where she is missing all of her front fucking teeth in the first couple of episodes and i fucking adore her she's so good she is funny she is on point she is cute she is Fun, I know I'm repeating myself, but she is really good and she is annoying Lucifer and I like that. I'm here for it. But in a good way, you know, not like done. She's not annoying Lucifer because she wants to annoy. She's annoying him because she's like uh, affectionate and she doesn't like it. Yeah. I love that how he drops the hooker <laughs> and so she goes, what's a hooker? Ask your mother. <laughs> That, that had me laughing out loud. There's obvious realization in his face that... He shouldn't have said that. Maybe this is something that he shouldn't have said, but, well, now it's her problem. <laughs> And I love that Chloe passes it on to Dan. Yes, because Dan fucking deserves I it. I absolutely love it. It's done so smoothly yeah. by her. So I really, really love that. I have a huge mm -hmm. issue with Trixie not using the proper word for her genitals. It's bad to not teach children the proper names of genitals. Yeah. It's potentially dangerous. So please do teach your children the proper names of genitals. There's no bad thing about saying vagina or penis. Yeah. Those are normal words for normal body parts. Yes. And people need to fucking get over teaching children some made up stupid words. Uh, sorry. Rant end. You're absolutely right. Okay, so, but Trixie kicks her in a vagina. Yes! 
How cool is that? It's so good. You're gonna bully me? There you go. That's something what I would do when I was a kid. Are you gonna bully me? We used to have a, this guy at school when we were kids. And he was this big, strong guy, stronger than everybody else. And he tried to bully everybody. So I just came up to him and I, he started, he tried to fight me. So I bit him a lot of times. <laughs> and then I was the king. Nice. He was the Godzilla, but I was the king. He was afraid of me. And I was like, uh, so much shorter than him. I love the Trixie kicks a person that's like literally twice yes. her size. Like she's taller and yeah. stronger and wider yes. than her. And still Trixie has absolutely no problem to kick that fucking bully in the match. Yes. So, yes. What I didn't love was Lucifer's uh, goat eyes. And I don't understand why we get them. Because at the end of the episode, we get devil his face, uh, yeah. devil face in the mirror. But we don't really see his eyes at that moment, do we? Yeah, but if they already introduced the fucking devil face, they could have just used that. So I wasn't a fan of the goat eyes. Yeah, it's very creepy. Also, yeah. I don't mind creepy. What I don't understand, that she just looks away and stays sitting. If I saw something like that, I would have run away. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe she wet herself and didn't oh, dare to stand up. Poor little bully. <laughs> I'm sorry. My last note for this scene is where we're outside and Dan is trying to talk down to Chloe. She shuts him up so quick. Yeah. And I really like that Chloe doesn't take shit. Yeah. She calls him on his bullshit that he has a case, but she doesn't or what? I love that like instantly his excuse in quotation marks why mm. he's late is not valid because she had the same situation and she yeah. still managed to be there. And I love that she basically punishes him by having passing off the hooker explanation yes that's like my favorite because he came late so now she gets to leave early so he has to explain the this. deal was he was gonna be there she wasn't gonna be there so yep. she, she wasn't supposed to be there at all exactly and yet she had to come through because he was fucking late because he can't manage his own time he clearly doesn't doesn't care about his own child that much or what's the story with that so that's one of the reasons why I have such a massive issue with Dan because he's mm. just he's so selfish like he made himself a child take care of it well that's a very good segue for the next scene because beginning of next scene lucifer asks if the offspring was planned or a mistake which is a question i love to <laughs> ask myself no because yes some people want children mm -hmm. some people don't but still keep them and well if you're gonna talk to me about your child this is the first question i'm gonna ask i'm sorry <laughs> so scene eight i called therapy is sexy Ooh. And my description is Lucifer charms himself into Dr. Linda's libido and gains valuable information. Yes, he does. I actually don't remember. What was Chloe's answer to the plant or mistake? Uh, she says that it was kind of planned. So we don't... Kind of planned. We don't really get an explanation, but there is more to the story. Disagree with Chloe, though. Because she says, do you even realize how much of a dick you sound like or something? And... I don't think that Lucifer sounds dickish in this scene at all when he talks to her. I think this mostly comes from the fact that he is hitting it. That he's hitting it on a nail. Yeah, it's, it's hit, hits quite close ah. to home. 
So it's more of a defense mechanism, exactly. So it's not as much as him being rude okay. because, you know, that's a, these are questions that you might ask other people and they don't have an issue with it. But she might be more sensitive about it because it's more complicated than that for her. And these are very straightforward yes or no questions and she doesn't like them and it makes her feel uncomfortable. That's my explanation to that. Sounds sounds very good. Um, I find it interesting that Lucifer basically asks her therapy questions <laughs> while waiting to be asked into the therapy room. Uh, <laughs> Linda! <laughs> love her. I adore Linda. And I love how she, while under the effect of Lucifer's powers, is still able to analyze the situation between Lucifer yes. and Chloe. She calls him out on the bullshit so quick. It's so great. Because she's super affected mm -hmm. by Lucifer, like yes. full on. And still she keeps her wits about her and gives very, very accurate uh, commentary. So I absolutely love Linda. She's amazing. So also props to her for keeping up the defense so long, even though she's that strongly affected. Yeah. I also think this is the moment where Lucifer really, really, really realizes that that Chloe is immune yep. to him. He doesn't know the full extension of it yet. So... No, he realizes that she is immune to his powers and he doesn't understand why. Like, his charm yeah, isn't working yeah, on her. Exactly. Final note on this scene for me is a personal note. I absolutely love that Lucifer is vanilla shaming the dude <laughs> Delilah was fucking. Yep. He's so boring. So vanilla. I'm so there for it. I love it. That's all I have for scene eight. I have one more note and that is in all cups. I love how smart and cool the women are here. Yes, it's definitely refreshing. We now have Mace, Chloe, Trixie, yes, Linda. Four women. We now have four women who all have been so far portrayed as strong, capable, smart Witty. and funny. I'm super there for it. And they are different ages, different races, different hmm. professions. I, I love it. It's amazing and very strong. I mean, they're still all gorgeous. Oh, yeah. Scene nine is, for me, obvious red herring is obvious because for me, even when I first watched this episode, it was so clear that this would not pan out. Mm. I found it very, very obvious in the end that the reveal who was the bad guy, I was like, duh, who didn't see that coming? So for me, scene nine is very, very superfluous. They do need certain information. Yes. From, they do gain the information about the watches. We see another moment where Lucifer uses his powers. So that's another eye contact thing. This is also the first time he pulls the desire line. Oh, yeah. So now we have the eye contact plus the speech. Yes. And we're going to keep an eye on the eye contact thing. If that really is the thing that is needed. Because that would explain quite a lot. But I have a question. It's not really in this scene. But this is where I noticed it. Why isn't Lucifer working on Dan? What do you mean? Well, obviously his charm oh. works on men and women. Yeah. The actor in this scene is super into Lucifer's whole poking and answering thing and everything. So why isn't Dan spilling shit? shit that he doesn't want to spill while in the presence of Lucifer. Well, I feel that Lucy just doesn't care about him enough to turn his charm on. I find it interesting and I, mm. I'm, I'm gonna keep an eye on if Lucifer ever uses his power on Dan. Yeah, that's an interesting question. Put it up there to, on the list. It's just, I, I realized that in this moment that obviously Lucifer's powers do not discriminate on gender. Mm-hmm. 
So Dan should be as affected as everyone else. Except for Chloe. And he isn't. He is not into Lucifer at all. Because I kind of feel that Dan, neither Dan or Lucifer pay attention to each other. So they just... We're gonna see how it goes. But I just feel that at this moment they don't pay attention to each other at all. So that might be the reason right now. Well, dislike is already there. Yeah. They do pay attention, yeah. but in a negative way. There's, there yeah. is already dislike existing. I have some mentions about a green screen. A green screen? Really? Did you notice the green screen stuff? Yeah, there's sometimes it, it's done very subtly. But on this show, I feel like very often they would use green screen and they're just not ashamed of it. So when Lucy walks into the car crash, you can clearly see that he's standing in front of a green screen. It just has a completely different, different depth to it. And it's hilarious. And I love it. I didn't I didn't notice that. Nice. There you go. Bringing something to the table. Very well spotted. Yep. So that is the only thing. Nice. Uh, scene 10, I got as alcohol helps with thinking. Mm, doesn't it? Lucifer and Chloe hang out at Lux, get friendlier with each other, while Mace points out a very obviously placed news report. Like, I, I found that very heavy-handed. I really enjoyed how honest they, start, they are to each other and how open, and it's not... Nobody's pretending to be anything at this moment, and it's really nice to see that. But I have one more question about this scene, and that is, how long has Mace been standing there they have this beautiful honest wow. quiet conversation and very honest and very open and Mazakin is standing behind the bar watching them do that what the fuck she's getting her bar ready for the night for the opening yeah but she's is she just because she just stands there next to the telly and just points it out it's like oh look at this you might want to see that this report or whatever but like she's just She's handling, first, she most likely poured the drinks for them. And second, she's handling stuff behind the bar, like bottles, glasses. She's getting the bar ready for the later opening of the I day. don't know. It just felt really weird. She is only there to point out the very obviously placed news rep- report. Yes. It felt very staged to me. Maybe she's uh, getting serviced behind the bar again. Maybe. Yeah. I like that Chloe is talking to Lucifer. Mm. It feels very much that she hasn't had anyone not judge her. Yeah. Because she she doesn't strike you as a person with many things outside her work, except her child. Mm. So probably most of the police force is not a potential uh, talking mm. partner. So she now having the chance to unload a bit on Lucifer is nice that she takes it. And Lucifer seems honestly intrigued by Chloe, not just with the fact that she's apparently immune to his charms, as a person or any effect but also yeah with her story like with her instinct and her gut and yada 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 so across this episode she proved that she's very smart and she has a very good instinct yeah which i think both of these things are things that treats personality traits that lucifer appreciates and he holds them very very high so that he she is very naturally somebody that that he would want to hang out with i'd say and also he liked that he saw her naked obviously <laughs> that's just <laughs> <laughs> That's just the bonus, right? Exactly. So, scene 11 is titled, for me, It was the obvious slimy asshole after <laughs> all. Description, the confrontation escalates. Who could have seen it coming? I have not many notes. I mostly have general notes. Nothing in specific about the scene. Do you have any specific notes or... 
What I like about this scene is that the camera angles, especially at the beginning of the scene, are shot slightly from above and it gives you this really mm-hmm. weird feeling of you being actually in there with them and looking around like a with human eyes, not just, you know, not just watching it from a distance as a as a viewer. It just feels it just kind of draws you in a little bit more and I kind of like that. So, I interpreted that completely different. For oh, really? me it was more a god's view. Oh, interesting. This is like you're watching from higher above, like you're having the higher angle. Hmm. We're we're kind of like now in God's position, watching what Lucifer is doing. Hmm. Interesting. That's how I interpret it. Is so it's it's fun to me that for you it's the human view, and for me it's the God view. Interesting. <laughs> eh, potato, potato. It's the same thing. Human God. It's all the same. I got. Jimmy is way too stupid. Like, why did he pay the shooter with the watch instead of pawning because the watch? Because he had watch no money. Instead of pawning the watch oh. and paying the shooter with the money. It would have been way smarter and non-traceable. Yeah, it would have. But then again, he's a stupid sleazebag. So. Exactly. Yeah, he, but he's way too stupid. I don't like stupid villains. And also, why did he give the shooter the watch before he sent him to kill Chloe? <sighs> the dude could have simply kept the watch and not shoot Chloe. Yeah, I'm not here to excuse his behavior because none of it was like... It's just a pilot and he's not like the main villain of the season or whatever. But I prefer my villains to be a bit smarter than this. I know that. What I really, really like is how emotional Lucifer gets about Jimmy potentially missing out on punishment when he thinks that Chloe shot him. Mm-hmm. He rages against her. He gets very and upset. And I love it. Yeah. I love how involved he is emotionally into punishment of wrongdoings in general but in this specific case for Delilah yeah so this it, it humanizes Lucifer a lot yes that he's so passionate about this so him raging against Chloe when he thinks that she shot Jimmy is for me the moment where I really 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 took Lucifer into my heart hmm. so for me very important that is all I have for this scene we are again questioning the immortality here because oh yeah he, he gets shot he gets shot and, and he just keeps on walking really, so yeah. that's a slight inco- inconsistency with what happens with Delilah at the beginning of the episode so let's keep an eye on that because I wonder how this works I must say I much prefer this yes like him simply ignoring being shot yeah most definitely instead of the gasp well the gasp I understand why the gasp is there because for the effect and how it's shot and whatever and how it's set up but it just doesn't really make sense to me as in he he keeps going on and on about being immortal and yet he dies at the beginning yeah he comes back it depends on how you define immortality like is it like Deadpool and he can regenerate (laughs) yeah (laughs) what the fuck I mean um That's kind of how I imagine it. But yeah, this is something that that we need to keep an eye on because I can let this go once because this is the pilot. But if this is going to keep happening, I'm going to be very upset. Yeah, same. Next scene, coma jokes are best jokes. (laughs) Yes. I love so much that he does the standard thing when people wake up and ask how long have I been out. Like You have to do this. This is an unspoken or unwritten rule that when someone wakes up and asks how long was I out, you have to pull their fucking tail. Yeah, 
I, three years. I absolutely love it. So good. Lucifer seems very, very uncomfortable with a genuine thank you. So I find that very interesting. Yeah. I also think that this might be part of the thing that creates his dislike of children because I think he has an issue with honest emotion, like honest thanks, honest attraction, honest friendliness. And uh, Trixie is very, very... Like, she, she's very hugging and very open about that she finds him cool and interesting. And when he, he gets uncomfortable with that and he gets uncomfortable with Chloe thanking him. So, yeah, I think Lucifer might have emotional issues. No shit. And also this scene sets up the show premise that Lucifer says, hey, we're a great team. You're a pariah in the department. I'm bored and I love <laughs> to punish criminals. So let's do this together. And even though we don't get, like, an official seal of approval, improvement on this this sets up our show premise yes and i think it's it's nicely done it's not in a too much in your face way mm -hmm. but the entire episode proper sets this up that it feels a natural conclusion yeah it's lovely i too have noticed that he is way more comfortable after she just wakes up and when she starts when they start talking about emotions and stuff he immediately closes up and starts deferring. he stands up and starts moving so he is trying to deflect the topic so he doesn't have to talk about he's trying to distract from his own uneasiness by changing the subject emotional vulnerability Emotional vulnerability. He is afraid of emotional vulnerability. Yes, definitely. So he deflects. He's got issues. It's just very close, very close to my heart. Well, Lucifer got issues. <laughs> And surprisingly, he decides to deal with them. But before he decides to deal with them, we have first to start scene 13, which I called family issues are best resolved with therapy and sex. Ah. Description. Lucifer gets annoyed by Amanadiel and Mace. Like, both annoy him differently. Mm. <laughs> and he decides to start therapy. And I still don't like Amanadiel's powers, but I like the setup when mm. they're standing on the street mm. with the slowed down cars in between oh, them. Oh, yeah. The setting of the scene is It's really, really good. nicely done. Yes. I love the general sibling rivalry shit. Mm. Like, everyone who has a sibling yeah. knows that siblings are at the same time the best at the worst thing that can happen to you oh so. yes believe me i know hi lada yeah hi felix <laughs> and then amanadiel leaves and we're gonna see how it goes mm -hmm. on mace's part i find it very interesting mace has absolutely no appreciation or respect for human life Yeah, I think that would go very much towards her not being around actual humans, you know? Well, she is around humans. The bartender who orally performed for her was human. Well, she is so now, but... For her, in, in my interpretation, yeah. for her, humans are like pets mm -hmm. and playthings. Yeah. And I find that very, very interesting. Yeah. I love that after Mace says her piece the song that we had in the beginning of the episode already starts playing mm -hmm. very softly yes i love that we end this on the same the episode with the same music that we opened same. it with same. i absolutely love it and i love that lucifer is therapy positive he realized he has an issue mm -hmm. or several <laughs> and instead of ignoring it for a while he directly goes to therapy. And yes, of course, he's still gonna fuck Linda because he gave his word and he's also gonna pay her with sex because she's freakishly flexible. <laughs> oh my God, that reminds me. <laughs> what is that thing that she does? I don't understand what... 
stretch she does during that scene to show that she's freakishly flexible. I interpreted it as she tried to, because she says, like, I tried really hard to keep that one in. I thought she couldn't keep the sentence in, but she managed to not do the yoga pose and embarrass herself totally in front of Chloe. I read it as she actually did the stretch because Lucy directly stares under her skirt. Do you think she she pulled a basic instinct? I'm pretty sure, yeah. But I'm not really sure how that, what does that have to do with yoga and her being freakishly flexible. Well, so I'm trying. We can ask her. Yes, let's put a pin in this one and we can <laughs> ask Rachel when we meet her. That's we, the second question in one episode. Yes. I love the ending of this episode yeah. and the music and everything. Yeah. And it's just that are all the notes I have for the final scene. Yeah, same. Yeah, I just really enjoy the way what this episode sets up for us. And we are in for a ride in all oh, the different yeah. things you can, in the, all the different ways you can interpret it, interpret that, I'd say. I mean, in general, it's a well done pilot mm -hmm. because it sets up the feel, the style and the story premise. Yes. All three of those things get set up very clearly. We're not overly bombarded with exposition. Mm -hmm. But we get enough, enough snippets, we get enough background information to understand that Chloe and Dan have issues with each other, apparently, and are a family with Trixie. We get the background information on Chloe being a pariah in the department because of something with Palmetto Street. Mm -hmm. We don't get much information, just that something went wrong we get a feel for lucifer with his emotional vulnerability now i can't say it <laughs> emotional vulnerability and well his then. just general uneasiness to deal with certain emotions from other people and potentially also from himself and we also get a feel for all the other side characters like we get trixie we get dan we get mace we get amenity we get linda and it's really really nicely set up we meet all the characters that are going to be important to us so this is a really yeah, nice for, for, setup. for quite a while so and this is really, really well done. Yeah. My only issue is that they do not make sure that their lore is consistent yet. So there was those couple of things. We don't know. We don't know yet. Maybe it's all going to be explained and make yeah, sense. Yeah, but my issue is that there is a couple of things that contradict each other in this episode. So we're going to keep an eye on those. They just want to keep us guessing so we stay intrigued mm. and curious. They are doing a good job because I am... <laughs> I am... Because intrigued. we argued two hours over this one hour episode. So yes, we are intrigued. It's a pilot, okay? It's supposed to be long. I love that Lucifer is sex positive, king positive, against domestic violence and has zero threatening by strong females. Yes. Like he has Mace and now he has Chloe mm -hmm. and he obviously has absolutely no issue with strong women and I absolutely love it. And he's not afraid to ask for help, which is also a really big thing. Yes. So Lucifer is for me a very positive male presentation. Mm-hmm which I like because we don't get too many of them, especially not in American TV shows. <laughs> and especially it being an American show and having such sex positivity is for me very, very unusual and very, very positive. Yeah. Well, we do have done to compensate all the goodness, right? So, <laughs> Well, you always need, like the light is much brighter when you have a very dark shadow next to it. Exactly. <laughs> all in all, 
It's a great pilot. Yeah. And I'm very curious where it's gonna go. I've tracked the questions for the future. Very good. So two weeks. We can see if more questions are added to it or if maybe we can already answer some. Mm-hmm. But with this, I have no more notes. What about you? I am all noted out as well. All noted out. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, then... All I have left to say is to you, our lovely listeners, thank you for listening. If you want to keep in touch with us, you can do so via Twitter at the Apple of Truth, one word, or Instagram at TAOT Podcast. We also have a Facebook page that can be found under both names. Our episode can be found on Spotify and iTunes. For those of you who want to know if there are other ways to get involved, besides telling all your friends to listen to the show, wink, wink, <laughs> find us at patreon.com slash TAOT podcast. Wink, wink. wink. Bye. Bye.